what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Cast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Giannone, joined as always by my friend down at the nation's capital, Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on, bud? Man, there's a lot going on. A Too lot much. going on in Flyers land right now. Too much. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's been a crazy few weeks. It really has been. I mean, we, have, we went from... This, I, I'm convinced that there's probably no figuring the Flyers out, maybe ever. I mean, we go from a, just a putrid Western road trip that they had. This team on the road and this team at home, I mean, it's like they suit up different players for these games because when you look at the numbers, it's it's so drastic. And they come home from that, just the awful road trip, and they've now played three of the best teams in the league, beat two of them, only lost uh, to one of them, the Lightning, by a goal. And now they have St. Louis tomorrow, another one of the top teams, on the road. So they're either – you don't know what you're going to get because they're playing these the, the best teams in the league really tough, but then at the same time they play like shit on the road. So you have no idea what you're going to get tomorrow night in St. Louis. Well, we don't have any idea, but we sort of do have an idea based on past practice that – they can't play on the road and they can't play teams from the Western Conference. So, you know, logic would dictate that they're probably going to have a pretty bad loss tomorrow night. But again, it's the Flyers, so who knows? Yeah. And now we have the news coming out today out of practice that Carter Hart felt something in his lower body and that it, it was announced. I mean, you saw all the beat writers and everything talking about it. Um, I didn't see Chuck Fletcher's press conference. I don't know if he mentioned it, but I know they're supposed to give an not. update tomorrow. And apparently... This happened after the press conference. Okay, so so I know they're, they're supposed to give an update tomorrow on what his status is. I'm guessing it's there's a, just an ominous feeling about it. It doesn't feel like it's going to be good. I'm expecting it to be a typical Flyers-type announcement where they're going to announce him as either day-to-day or week-to-week. And, you know, they said that he wasn't supposed to start tomorrow night anyway, which, you know, you got to get Brian Elliott in there. I don't based on how he played last time on the road. It wasn't the best. I would have started hard. But now you kind of don't have it. You don't have a choice anyway, because it seems like he's not going to be ready to go. If they lose Carter Hart for an extended period of time, this team is as screwed as could even be fathomed. Yeah. So, you know, there were a couple moments in the game last night where he kind of to my eyes you know awkwardly did splits but he's never been a guy who's injury prone and he practiced but apparently 
I guess during practice, he felt something in his lower body. Who knows what it was? He left ice with the trainer. And they said they were going to give an update later today. And then later today, they gave an update saying they were going to give an update tomorrow morning. And Alex Lyon is headed to St. Louis to potentially back up Brian Elliott. So none of this news sounds particularly good to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to speculate other than the fact that it's a lower body injury. But it doesn't have the feel of something that's going to be very positive news. And here's the thing. The Flyers were able to – you're able to withstand a guy losing a guy like Oscar Lindblom to the horrible condition that he's got – and overcome it and still play well. You can lose guys like Ghost and Braun. You know, you've still got really good forwards. You've still got good defensemen. But if this team loses Carter Hart for any extended period of time, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to overcome that from the perspective of staying in the playoff race. Just because Brian Elliott is not a guy that you're going to want to lean on to start the majority of the games. Alex Lyon has not really proven himself to be a top-tier, middle-tier, or any-tier NHL goalie. <laughs> so, you know, the the loss of Carter Hart would probably be too much for this team to withstand. And so tomorrow morning is probably going to be just about the most important announcement that the, the Flyers will have. And hopefully, you know, you're right. Maybe they, they just come out and say, you know what, he's got a lower body injury. He's day-to-day. And we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, this is it just seems like the hits keep on coming. Yeah, I mean, kind of looking ahead here with I mean, that they're they're completely decimated with with all these injuries. And, you know, it's it's hard for any team to to deal with. But, you know, you look at the Flyers, their their depth with the, within their organization, you know, they're kind, they're able to weather the storm a little bit with these injuries, but not there's no team in the league that could lose their number one goaltender for, you know, God forbid if it's a month and still be, you know, you just can't do it and expect to still be in the hunt for, for, for the playoffs where they're kind of, I'm looking ahead at the schedule here right now. Obviously they have say another back to back for them, which I think we've talked about before. They have the most of any team in the league all season. Um, so they get St. Louis tomorrow, then Montreal, L.A., and Pittsburgh over the next week. All at home. Right. Montreal, the Kings, and Pittsburgh's all at home, so that's right. an advantage. And then and they then have the All-Star, All-Star break. break. Well, they'll be off until the 31st. So if it's not that serious an injury, it, at least they're in, a, they're in a bit of a stretch right now where, I mean, after tomorrow, Montreal is not the best. Not, you know, they're not what they... They're just not a good team. L.A. is not a good team. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. So the the opponent, and that could still be a winnable game against Pittsburgh. So after tomorrow night, which I don't want to, like, be overwhelmingly negative, but I can't say that I'm that excited about tomorrow night's game against St. Louis because St. Louis is top-tier upper echelon of the league, and the Flyers are, you know, as, as big of a roller coaster ride as they've been, you know, within the last five years. But... Montreal, L.A., and Pittsburgh, those are winnable games, and then the break. So if it's not that serious an injury, you know, you could be looking at the Flyers just kind of getting through this with Elliott for the next four games, five games, six games, whatever, and still coming out at the end of this in pretty good position in the playoffs. 
yeah, it's uh, you know we'll just we'll see what happens, right. what the announcement is, and you're right. If it's something that's only going to sideline him for two to three weeks, then he's only going to miss a you know miss a handful of games. Then then that, that's okay. So you know we'll just hold our collective breaths and you know and and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, tomorrow's huge. But um, so last night's game, I don't. It seemed. I was texting a friend last night, and <clears throat> she was at work. She's Flyers fan, you know. Couldn't listen, couldn't watch the game, and I'm, you know, I'm screwing with her. I'm like, because there was a time there where Boston just was putting the puck in the net pretty regularly, and then it was five two, and I was like, this, this is, this is just, this is over. And the Flyers, That's what just, everyone thought, the Flyers just never gave up. The Flyers kept coming from the time it was five two till the end of the game. The Flyers kept coming. They obviously ended up winning the game in what was by far the worst attempted shootout attempt ever by Brad Marchand. And it could not have happened to a better guy. What like the guy is just overall largely viewed in every city in the NHL except Boston and probably whatever town he is from as the biggest piece of shit in the NHL. So for that to happen on you know in such a big game in a way that the Bruins lost that game, it was just it was the cherry on top of just a great but absolutely ridiculous game from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, the, the Flyers' coverage defending the rush last night was about as bad as it gets. I mean, I don't know what Phil Myers was doing on the uh, the Bjork goal. I mean, I, that was just pathetic. And they're, all night long, they're, their coverage was not great. Here's the thing. They were hustling their balls off. Yeah. I mean everyone scott lawton jake voracek connor bunneman those guys were skating like they had you know rocket packs on they were uh just all hustle all night the flyers never gave up travis sanheim was awesome he scored a couple really big goals late in games you know carter hart made the saves when he had to coming back from a three goal deficit against one of the best teams in the league is just so on point with this flyers team it's crazy and then you get to the shootout, and yes, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And I was a minor league hockey announcer. There were a lot of shootouts. We've seen a lot of shootouts in the NHL. I've participated in a lot of shootouts playing hockey for the last 20 years. I've literally never seen a guy brush the puck with the <laughs> bottom of his stick, and it moves an inch, and that's that's it. He doesn't get another attempt. The game's over. It's just hilarious. And Especially then you see a guy of his skill level. Exactly. It's not I like mean, he's, he's just one, some scrub. He's one of the best players in the league. Right. And it was and then you see all the reactions and all the people reacting on Twitter. And I'll say this about Brad Marchand. I think based on the way that he talks to reporters, that he's probably not the not the the kindest or best human being out there. I do like the fact that he will engage with fans on Twitter. So yeah, he that. obviously knew that everyone was coming at him and making fun of him. So this morning he posts a photo of him raising the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and so, someone responds <laughs> to him and says, well, you know, at least I know how to take a shootout attempt. And this is some guy with like, you know, 800 followers or something. And Marchand responds to the guy and is like, you know, yeah, in your driveway, you know, like just the fact that he's like, and I, we're all human. Like we get, I don't think that either of us would be comfortable if we put a podcast out and literally thousands of people were blasting us for something in the podcast. Like we'd probably be sensitive about that. And I'd like to be happy that many people listen to it. That's true. 
I like the fact that Marshand is like is is responds like a human being, and yeah. he's, these guys aren't robots, and so. I could see how annoyed he was and he's, you know, he's going at people. It's kind of, the whole thing's kind of funny, but it is, you know, it's, that game was, was, was something else. And the reality is, is that they've, like you said, they've, their last three games have been against arguably the three best teams in the Eastern conference. They, they beat the Capitals. I think that was their best game of the three. They beat them pretty handily just from an effort perspective. And then they, they got outplayed by Tampa, but Carter Hart was great. Um, yeah. And they just couldn't score a goal. And then that game last night. So it's like they come back from this road trip where they just are getting blown out by some of the worst teams in the league, like the Kings and the Sharks. And then they come back home and they just find a way to beat some of these really good teams. It's, it's, it's really, really incredible. Now they're, they're back to being in a playoff spot. They're clinging to the final playoff spot. They've got the Panthers one point behind them and the Panthers are a good team. You know, I was looking at the standings today, and it's going to be really difficult because the teams ahead of the Flyers right now, you get the Bruins, who are obviously going to make the playoffs. The Lightning are going to make the playoffs. The Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Then in the in our division, you've got the Caps, the Penguins. Um, they're both going to make the playoffs. I think it's getting Crosby I, back, too. Uh, it's huge for them. Yeah. And, you know, I think Florida's a, a pretty good team, and Carolina's a good team. And the Islanders have got four more points than the Flyers with two games in hand. I still won't be surprised if the Islanders come down to earth right now. So right now, looking behind the Flyers, I think that the Panthers are the biggest uh, the biggest risk to catch them from behind. Obviously, Columbus is only two points behind them, but I still don't believe that Columbus is quite as good. And so this is assuming that Carter Hart's healthy. If, if Hart is healthy, it's going to be a, a real battle with the Flyers and the Panthers and maybe the Islanders for that last playoff spot but um you know if 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 he's out it changes the equation but it's 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 this team is it's they're a they're a strange team they really are i'm looking at the the splits right now between home and away and like i said earlier it's like they're a completely different team on the road as than they are at home and i remember i think it was last year it was either last year or the year before dave haxtall said because it was kind of the opposite they played better on the road than they did at home and Dave Haxall made the comment then when that when they played at home, it seemed that they were, you know, the old adage, you know, gripping their sticks too tight and, and whatever. Uh, basically just saying that it's harder for them to play at home in front of their fans because of the pressure. And this year it's completely different. They have 14 more points at home than they do on the road. They're 15-3-4 and four at home. But and on the road, they're just – they're – sub 500 and the effort on the road is just not there it's like they have no interest in playing these games when they're anywhere but the wells fargo center and which is great i mean you having a team that that has that plays well at home has that home ice advantage is huge in the playoffs but the problem is you're playing just as many games on the road in the playoffs as you are at home so the biggest thing for the flyers right now is to find is to just regulate their game. They have to play. I'm not saying they have to dominate on the road like they do at home. That's a lot to ask for this team that's still growing. But they have to find some regularity. They have to get out of the doldrums on the road that they've had. And it's there's two guys right now that have kind of that are really in my crosshairs. And I see that you have mentioned the one on Twitter uh somewhat frequently over the last few days, and it's Claude Giroux. And 
it see if it's felt like I had to go back. I was looking at his the last few games that the Flyers have played just to kind of see what he's done, and it felt like he he the last goal he scored was a lot longer ago than it actually is. And but with something you said on Twitter, I think you were having a back and forth with somebody, um, somebody of course defending Claude Giroux because you're not allowed to actually criticize him. But something that you said last night kind of stuck with me, and it it was not about his production, but it was about the fact that he hasn't really affected the game like the top-end stars do in this league. And it's one thing, you know, if, if, you're, if the puck's just not going your way, if it's not fine in the back of the net for you, that's one thing. But it feels like he doesn't have the same impact on these games that we know that we know he's capable of. And the other guy is James Van Riemsdyk, who has just been disappointing from start to finish. He had a power play assist last night. And that was actually his first point, not even goal, his first point since December 23rd. The guy has four power play points all year, and all you hear about, I know this pisses you off, all you hear about every time the Flyers are on the power play is that patented move that he has in front of the net that gets the announcers going all the time. But it's not working. That it, nothing is working for James and Reamsdyke right now, and it's holding down the team. And if Carter Hart's going to be out, guys like Van Reamsdyke and guys like Giroux have to pick their game up because the goaltending is going to be seriously lacking from what they're used to having behind them. I mean, look, if Hart's out, it's this is not a playoff team. Let's just it does none of this matters. But right. let's talk about those guys. And so Claude Giroux, yeah, I mean I've been on him on twitter the last week or so because he to my eyes he's not playing with any explosiveness and he's playing a perimeter game he's not really getting to the net and that's never really completely been his game but he's always been good every year for five or ten highlight reel goals you know or assists where he's going around guys getting to the net and either scoring a really nice goal or setting someone up. And it just seems to me that he's playing more of a perimeter game this year. And I don't know if he's injured or he's just conserving energy or he's, you know, he's, he's just on the downward trend of his career. He just turned 32 years old, but the stats bear it out. I mean, last year he was a point of game player. He had 85 points in 82 games. The year before he was one of the best players in the league. He had 102 points in 82 games. And this year, He's only got 31 points in 46 games. That's a drastic reduction from, you know, averaging more than a point a game last year. He's, he's, uh, you know, that, that's that's a big drop. And I think it was actually it was our buddy Alex Appleyard from the Athletic who was going to me last night with some of the advanced stats on Giroux. But he's been his advanced stats are going to be good because he's been playing on a line with Katuria and Kanekli a lot of the year. So those guys that they're going to generate a lot of shots just because of those guys on his line. But to me, he is just he he hasn't been the same guy. And some of it could be because he hasn't been on his favored left side on the power play, which is ridiculous. And we might get into that later. But, you know, that could be part of it. But even at even strength, I just don't I don't I don't see him as impacting the game as much. And look, maybe Maybe he's just the decline of his career, but the reality is is that we want to believe that there's like a Stanley Cup window for this team while Giroux and Voracek are still stars. And I'm not sure that right now Giroux is playing like a star. No. So we'll see what happens over the second half of the season. But 
you know, he's a guy that's going to have to pick it up. And yeah, obviously, I mean, Van Reems, like, he's just, he's so streaky. And last year, he ended up scoring 27 goals in 66 games after a very slow start. And some of his advocates, you know, look, Charlie O'Connor's one of the top flyers, beat writers out there. He's covers for the athletic and he's always defending JVR, but I don't know how much longer you can defend the guy. I mean, he's, he's been ice cold. He's another guy that doesn't seem like he impacts the game when he's not scoring. And maybe that's part of it. Right. But the way that this flyers team plays, you're going to have to either score goals. You're going to have to find other ways to impact the game. He's only got 12 goals in 46 games. So his goal, his his uh, production from a scoring perspective is way down from last year also. And again, I think that the power play can really be a driver of this. They've got to figure the power play out. It's a shame Ghost is not back. I would yeah. still like to see him back on that Tom U top unit. Provorov has had great production on the power play this year, but I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. But um I would look, the, the, the really nice power play goal they scored last night was when Giroux was on the left and he fed it and he, and Konechny got the puck in the center and he played it over to Kevin Hayes on the right who had a one-timer as he's a left-hand shot and he scored. And that's the way that this team's going to score power play goals is those one-timers from guys on their off wings setting up in the face-off circle. So, you know, I think if they could really figure out the power play, I think that'll help Giroux and JVR. But I, I am interested in if Drew is, I don't know, I feel like either he's playing with some kind of nagging injury or age just might be getting to him. feels like the last few years we've had guys like Drew who you kind of can tell that something's bothering them and it's like an all-year thing. Like Wayne Simmons a few years ago, you know, it was like the same type of thing. His play suffered because he had the nagging injury and it came out at the end of the season. I don't know what it is with Claude Drew and, you know, these these people out there can can toss around whatever advanced stats they want to justify why a player is you know playing well but you know, the fact of the matter is at a certain point you just have to use the eye test and the eye test tells you right now that Claude Giroux is not the same player that he was a year ago certainly not the same player he was two years ago I know everybody loves him and I'm not counting him out saying that this is what he is for the rest of his career because you know, when you've been playing as well as he has for as long as he has, you gotta you gotta give him every opportunity to figure it out. But right now, it's it's just not working for him. And you know, the team is hanging on. But if he better's himself, if he goes back to being the player that we know he can be, then it it takes that team it takes his team to the next level. Um, you mentioned the power play, and I think right now the power play is. To me, the biggest Achilles heel for this team right now. They're currently at 19th in the league. They started out, beginning of the season, they were pretty good on both ends of special teams. And it's just like, it seems like every game they're trying to reinvent the wheel on the power play. And we've seen what has worked with, you know, certain players on this team in the power play in the past. And it seems like these guys, these this coaching staff is trying to put their own stamp on this team and trying to, you know, get something different out of these players that just isn't there. The blueprint has been laid out before on what works, what it, you know, what players work in what position on the power play. And right now, 
you know, Michelle Terry, and he's the one that's that's kind of running this thing. And it's like nothing he does is working. It seems like every, you know, you have a big spot in the game against Tampa. There was like two or three minutes left in the game, and they had a big power play, and they generated absolutely nothing from it. And that made, you know, that could have made all the difference in that game because of how well Carter Hart was playing. If they tied that game, I have no reason to believe why they wouldn't have won it in overtime or a shootout. So right now, the biggest thing the Flyers need to figure out as a team, let alone whatever individuals are going through, they have to be better on the power play or they're going to doom themselves in big game situations. How about the game against Vegas where they're trailing 5-4 to four and they got a two-man advantage right, yeah. for like two minutes in that game? Mm-hmm. Like how, how can you not – and they pulled the goalies, so they actually had a six-on-three for almost two minutes – Against Vegas, you need one goal to tie the game, and and you can't really get a sniff. I mean, yeah. how disappointing was that? Yeah, and you're right. They've people. The Flyers had one of the best power plays in the league a couple of years ago, and it was the formation where you had Ghost on the point, you had Giroux on the left, you had um, Voracek on the right face up circle, and then you know what? I, I don't even remember the other guys that you had in the uh, <laughs> in the middle. You know, but um. But that's the main thing is they haven't really gone back to that formation ever since the power play started struggling at the beginning of last year. They started monkeying around with different setups and they haven't really done that this year either. And it just it looks so obvious to us fans watching that Claude Giroux should be on the left wall on the power play. And maybe you put Kevin Hayes over on the right wall so that he can have one timers like he did in the game last night, which was a thing of beauty. But it, it doesn't make any sense that you're not going back and trying the things that really worked for this team a few years ago. And I get a lot of people will say, hey, you know what? People figured that out. It doesn't really work like that. Like when you've got a man advantage, things that work should work for a long time. And peop- you can make minor adjustments. But like, look, Alex Ovechkin, everybody in the league knows where he's setting up on the power play. And they still find ways of getting him one-timers in that spot. So you can't tell me that people can just figure something out because if it's good enough, it will work. And I just think that, you know, hopefully they will go back to, to trying to rule over on the left. And maybe that Kevin Hayes goal will will help get the power play going a little bit. I'm hopeful that maybe they'll keep Sandheim on the second power play unit. He's been playing really good. Maybe he can energize that unit a little bit. Um but yeah, they're 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 gonna have to be better on the power play down the stretch, and and hopefully Tarion will will make the necessary adjustments. Yeah, uh, not to live too much of the negative, but one player that needs to be um, praised for how he's played all season is uh, Travis Konechny. Going to his first All Star game, which is great. Had the big shootout goal last night. Um, I feel like you know it, it seems like this. We were kind of talked about it in the summer leading up to, you know, as things were really heating up in, uh, you know, training camp once he signed and everything. It seemed like he was, once the contract was done, it seemed like he was poised for a breakout year. And so far, so good. There's nothing that, he, it, it, like right now, there's nothing in the world that he could do wrong. Everything is going right for him. He leads the league, not the league, I wish. He leads the team in points right now. He has by far, in my eyes, been the best flyer from the start of the season till right now. And he's getting, obviously, the accolades for it, the acknowledgement from the league for it. Um, I mean, this is like, 
for the start of the season, it was, you know, him and Oscar Limblom that were just crushing it. And, you know, they could do no wrong. And obviously, you know, the unfortunate situation with Limblom has, you know, taken him out of the picture. And connecting is just keeps he's just picking up, you know, he's just carrying the flag. He's carrying the torch right now for the Flyers. 14 goals, 39 points. You know, everything, like I said, everything is going right for Travis Konechny right now. I said at the beginning of the season, I would not be shocked if he had 30 goals in, you know, for this season. He he is on pace to do that. It's still well within range for him. I just love what he's bringing to the team right now. And I, you know, if he wasn't doing what he's doing, if his game wasn't where it's at right now, the Flyers would be in a much worse situation than they're currently in. Yeah, I mean, the reality is is that Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek, Kevin Hayes, Ivan Provorov, those are the five guys that have basically carried the Flyers. And Konechny's been doing it all season. I think Couturier's been pretty good all season. Voracek has just been sensational over the last month and a half. Hayes is, is a streaky player, but he's been more good than bad. Right. And Provorov is just an absolute monster. And those five guys have been the ones that are carrying this team. And so, assuming that, you know, Hart isn't out that long, if this team's really going to take off in the second half of the season, you're going to need those guys to continue that. But you're also going to need Giroux, JVR, Sanheim and Myers, and Ghost to come back. You know, one of the guys who who I was talking to, one of my buddies who's a Penguins fan, actually, and we were talking about our teams. And to me, I told him, you know, the biggest difference maker in the second half for this team could be Travis Sanheim. Because he's so talented, and we've seen it over the last week. He scored two huge goals late in games for the Flyers. I think he scored the goal to tie it up maybe against Carolina, and then he scored the goal to tie it up last night, which was his second goal of the night. And he's a guy who can provide so much offense. And ultimately, the thing with the Flyers is that you've got a lot of teams in the league that have a couple superstars up front. The Flyers are never going to be able to match the offensive power, firepower of a team like Toronto, or even you see like a team like Boston with that first line that they've got. And so the key for the Flyers to ultimately win a Stanley Cup, to me, and the way that Ron Hextall was trying to build this team, was goaltending and defense. So ultimately, it's going to be Carter Hart and Provorov, Sanheim, Myers. You're going to need these guys to be the ones that kind of make the difference from what the Flyers have with other teams, because I don't think the Flyers offense necessarily is ever going to be as high octane as some of the best teams in the league but uh but yeah i mean i don't know where they'd be without connect at this point without him taking that step forward and it's a shame about Lindblom. and hopefully he'll be back next year uh and maybe nolan patrick will be back at some point as well yeah you heard i we, we haven't really talked much about the uh the press conference today kind of the mid-season update from chuck fletcher um, you, you listened to the whole thing. I saw snippets here and there, uh, kind of the, what I think was kind of the big talking point for a lot of the fans on Twitter was kind of the update of Nolan Patrick. Uh, Fletcher says he expects to see him this year and he's still not, obviously he's still not clear for contact. He said, we'll know, you know, quickly when he is. You know, he's progressing along. He kind of gave like the stock answers when you're dealing with an injury, you know, such as this t- to a player. Um, I And we, we, we've kind of just 
I don't want to say we've written Nolan Patrick off, but in a way we have because we just kind of accepted that we don't – you or I have both said that we don't expect to see him at all this season. This whole thing with – to me, like, when, when, when you say you're progressing with a migraine issue, I just – I don't understand how you progress with that. I don't know – you know, I guess it's the treatment, what works, what doesn't. But the true test with it, with something like that is going to be, you know, the first time he takes a hit, what's going to happen to him? I just – and I know fans are excited, fans like Nolan Patrick, but I just don't think that – I don't think he's going to be a viable option for them this season. And Chuck Fletcher wants to give the positive answer of saying that he expects to see him this year because if you say that you don't expect to see him, you're opening up you know, a whole can of worms and – a lot more questions than he was probably prepared for. But I just don't think it would be great to have him back. And it, but the thing is, if he came back, it would take him a while to get up to speed. He'd probably be with the Phantoms for a little bit to kind of get the game speed and everything like that. But to me, Nolan Patrick is not an option this year and yep. which is fine, but the flyers need to deal with what they have. And the fans need to accept that what they have right now is probably what they're going to have going forward. Okay, but that's what we've been talking about for the last, you know, number of months. The fans shouldn't expect them to play. But what I want to talk about is watching the press conference and seeing how Chuck Fletcher answered the question and what we can take away from that. So what I thought was very telling, and look, I've been as negative and pessimistic about Nolan Patrick as anyone. I'm the guy who, after they drafted, said I wouldn't be surprised if this guy's career is cut short because he's so injury prone and got a lot of flack for it. But hey, you know what? That might be the case. Anyway, watching the actual press conference, it was funny. It was the, So I expected that to be the first question that, that was asked of Fletcher. And it was actually it was the third question. I don't remember. It might have been Sam Carcitti asked, you know, can we get an update on Nolan Patrick? And Fletcher started laughing and smiling. And he said, huh, you know, I really thought that that was going to be the first question that I was asked. And he's still smiling. And he says, I do expect him to play this year. And just the way that he handled the question and the way that he answered, to me, was not the answer of somebody who's just saying something because he's supposed to say it and he doesn't want to field any more questions about it. The way that he answered it, to me, meant that he actually does expect him to play this year. And, you know, he went on to say, look, I can't, obviously I can't predict that that's just my guess is that i expect him to play this year but i I think that if there's a difference between the people that watch the press conference and the ones that just saw the quote in terms of how they took the quote from chuck fletcher so i'm much more optimistic that he may play this year just from the way that fletcher answered the question i don't think he would have been smiling and joking about it if it was just one of these things where he felt that that's what he had to say Now, you're right. If he comes back this year, he's going to have to get up to speed quickly, and he hasn't been facing any contact yet. But, you know, let's say for argument's sake that by mid-February, he's ready to take contact in practice. That's a month from now. Okay, maybe that's the case. So let's say by mid-February, he's ready for contact. He practices for a couple weeks, and he comes back in early March. So he comes back, and he's got about 20 regular season games to get up to speed. It's certainly possible that by the time that you know the playoffs roll around, if, they, if this team is lucky enough to be still be in a playoff spot, that he could be you know at full strength and rolling along and fairly fresh at that point. 
But the way that, you know, we've always sort of told our listeners, so we'll view it as it's just a bonus. Like, I'm not expecting Nolan Patrick to be back this year. It's just going to be a bonus if he comes back. And so the fact that I was looking at it that way kind of made me pleasantly surprised with with Fletcher's optimism today in the press conference about Nolan Patrick. Yeah. Um, so you saw it. Was there any other major – was there anything major you, you pulled from from however long he spoke for? Yeah, there were a couple couple interesting things that stood out to me. One was that he said that, that Braun, uh, who's been out with like a hamstring injury or something, could play on Saturday. They originally had said that he was going to be out until after the All-Star break. And Fletcher said, well, he could play Saturday, and if not, it's fairly likely he'll play Tuesday, which is good. So that means that, that Braun may get in some action before they thought he was going to come back. He's really – you can see – that he's a steady influence on the defense because the, the defense has kind of fallen apart a little bit without him there. You know, another thing that everyone was asking Fletcher about were the impact of the young players. They've got a lot of young kids on the team right now, a lot of them under the age of 24. And one of the things that really stood out to me was in talking, someone brought up Joel Farabee and was talking about, okay, do you think Farabee could go back down? Could he use some time in the AHL? And Fletcher's answer about Farabee was different than the other young kids. He said that, Farabee's one of the best players on the Flyers in terms of puck management. And that's period on the Flyers, not in, of, just of the young kids. He's, he praised his mental toughness and just said he's quote unquote different than the other kids in that respect. So I think that they're happy with having Farabee playing third, fourth line minutes. And they'd rather have him on the team up here with the Flyers. I think they think he brings an element of defensive responsibility and toughness too that some of the other kids and some of the other veterans on the team maybe don't bring. They asked him about Morgan Frost, and it sounds like, you know, at some point if he if he plays well in the AHL, he'll be back up this season. And then one of the other things that kind of stood out to me was he started talking about Sanheim and Myers, and he praised them a lot. He actually specifically mentioned the four-on-four shift last night against the Bruins where Sanheim scored and Myers had a pretty good shift. And Fletcher said – you know, last season, Rick Wilson was the assistant coach, and he's known as the defense whisperer. And he's, a, he's an older guy, and he's been around the block. And he said that Rick Wilson always said it takes a D-man upwards of 200 games to find their bearing in the NHL. Well, Phil Myers is only at 50 NHL games. And so there's been some folks on Twitter kind of questioning his ceiling and his, his defensive zone coverage isn't great. And I think we just need to cool the Jets a little bit. I mean, Phil Myers was a great defenseman in juniors. He was a great defenseman in the AHL. And he's having some growing pains in the NHL. But I think he's going to be just fine. Is he going to be ultimately a first-pair NHL defenseman? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But he certainly has that potential. And so he just he went out of his way to praise those guys. You know, aside from that, there wasn't a whole lot of consequence that, that happened in the press conference. Yeah. So... I mean, it was good. I like I like that Fletcher is um, accessible. I like when uh, the the general managers and stuff kind of give an update on because they're the ones you hear from the least, you know, during the season. So it's nice to hear kind of where he thinks his team is at and giving some updates on uh, some of you know Patrick and things like that. So I, all in all, I think from what I saw, and I haven't, I'm going to go back tonight and probably watch the whole thing just to. I did. I watched the clip of him talking about Patrick. Um, that's pretty much all I saw. So I'll go back later and, and, and check in on that and hear everything for myself. But uh, you know, things are uh, 
things are just kind of you know with the Flyers they're to me they're still a bit rocky but they have uh they could trend upwards once guys start to come back and uh, they get a little healthier but like we said you know tomorrow with the announcement on uh, Hart is going to be it's going to be huge for them so we have a shit ton of questions from last week from the episode that wasn't due to technical issues um a lot of them which we appreciate i have them up here i know you like when i'm prepared so that's great yeah it's always a nice pleasant surprise (laughs) all right so i guess we'll just jump right into these a lot of uh a lot of people asking multiple questions which is nice all right so here we go uh veteran presence at fourth line best line frequent question asker um now you had You kind of uh, adjusted his question here. He said if each player was an automobile, uh, what make and model would each be and why? You said, can you pick three? He said, I cannot. He, he just let it up to – he left it up to us to kind of decide. So I'll let you uh, – I'll let you give one. I guess we'll just go back and forth with these so we're not just giving six. Yeah, no, I – and maybe we'll have three total. I don't know. This is a tough question. It's, a, it's an interesting question. So – I think that uh, I think that Ivan Provorov, if he was an automobile, he would be like a really upscale, like a really nice BMW, probably, wow. because he's he's very he's reliable. Um, he's he he never gets injured. I mean, I think BMWs are fairly safe. But he's also he's got some flash to his game, so he, you know, I I think that that I and there's not really a great kind of Russian car, to, so I and so Germany's a little bit close. So I think I'd go with the, like a nice BMW for for Ivan. Yeah, it's a nice. Uh, if I'm gonna go with one, I will pretty much cut this off here. Um, I would have to say Travis Konechny, if he was a car, make and model. I don't have the year. You car buffs out there could pick your favorite year. I would say he is a uh, he would be a Corvette, kind of like you know it's a flashy, sexy car. Chicks dig the Corvette when the guy pulls up to the red light in the Corvette. It's fast, it's quick, it's shifty. So I think Travis Konechny and Corvette is the first thing that comes to mind. Another one would be if you're, if you're going to say uh, Kevin Hayes, who's kind of like the workhorse of the team. Maybe like a Ford Raptor, you know, just a big manly pickup truck that's just going to haul a bunch of shit for you from place to place. So, But he's a little inconsistent. So actually, I was thinking about Kevin Hayes, and I was thinking maybe he's more like a Land Rover because sometimes, they blow you up. know, he just – yeah, he's a Land Rover. Sometimes he just looks incredible and like a monster, and other times the engine craps out on yeah. you, you know? So I think that he could almost be like a, a Land Rover. Maybe. I once saw a Land Rover on fire on the side of the road. There you go. So, okay, Kevin Kevin Hayes, a, a Land Rover. I like that one. Uh, Liminal Justice, another uh, frequent asker of questions here. Uh, there have been faint whispers of criticism of AV and company recently, starting with Meltzer. Uh, is that going to gain traction and grow? I think, as you'll get, I mean... To me, when Elaine Mino got hired, there, there's always people that are unhappy with any decision ever made in sports ever, especially since Twitter came around. 
I think most people were pretty happy with the AV hiring. I know I was. I know you were. I think the more level-headed, and I don't, I don't, I didn't see what he was talking about with what uh, Bill Meltzer was talking about. But I think, as far as fans go, the more level-headed fan kind of gives, you know, the the head coach, the new head coach, kind of the first year to make. I don't want to say growing pains, but you give them the first year buffer before you really jump on them. I I haven't really seen much, uh, not so much on Vino. I've seen it on Tarion with the power play. but to me, you know, LA Video has done a fine job so far. And, you know, if the team misses the playoffs, I'll kind of reevaluate why they missed the playoffs and give due criticism at that time. Yeah, I think maybe I don't know exactly what what uh, he is referring to, maybe about Meltzer kind of questioning the power play setup that the teams had. So Which maybe that's what it, what it was. Yeah, right. I don't I don't necessarily think that there's I've seen a whole lot of criticisms of Vino recently or of the other coaches so i wouldn't necessarily i don't think that there's going to be any traction that's going to be growing with that i think that it's a whole new head coaching staff they're not really expected to be a cup contender this year so i think that next year if the team is having problems next year then i think we might start seeing that he also asked uh you're gonna help that you're gonna have to help me with the pronunciation of this name uh the rangers are apparently uh trading georgiev I guess that's yeah, the, Alex Georgia. Okay, that's how you pronounce that. Good, I didn't screw that up too bad. Uh, which seems possibly rash, due, uh, given Lundqvist's age or general injury risks for goalies. Any whispers about the Flyers looking into uh, the same with one of their three main goalie prospects? So, I, don't, I mean, I don't think that they'd be. He's asking if the Flyers are going to trade one of their goalie prospects. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that any of the Flyers' goalie prospects at this point have enough have enough credit around the league to actually right. bring something in a trade. Yeah. Like no one wants Alex Lyon. Samuel Arison has taken a step back this year. Felix Sandstrom has taken a huge step back this year, and Kirill Ustamenko has played really well in the ECHL. But that's the ECHL. It's a, it's you know, it's two levels below the NHL. So mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't suspect that the Flyers will make any trades with any of their goalies going out. Well, Dan Knightley, Dan Knightley, rather, asked a pretty broad question. Um, this, again, was coming off, you know, last week, coming off the heels of a, uh, a bad road trip, and things were not looking great for the Flyers. He asked, um, I guess, why the F can't they just be good? Well, I would say, I would, I would like to see how Dan feels right now given the last three games and how they've played against three of the top teams in the league. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to, I wouldn't say the Flyers aren't, they're obviously, I think they're a good team. They're just inconsistent as hell. Yeah. I think the better question is like, like why the fuck can't they just be normal or <laughs> why the fuck can't they just be consistent? Yeah. Like why do they have to be this bipolar team where you never know what you're going to get like that's the real question and I don't know I don't think anyone has an answer to that no why I mean why do they play up to the that's the it's the most it's the most astonishing thing to me ever that they play as well as they have these last three games against the teams that they've played against and they played like such dog shit on the road against just awful teams I mean if you looked at if you looked at the game against Washington, you would think there's no way that the Flyers didn't on that road trip didn't just 
trash every pl- every team that they played against. And it's like I've been saying, it's like two different teams out there. It's I want them to just figure it out more than any like as much as the next guy. But there's no there's no one answer for why they are the way they are. It's just it's just how they are for whatever goddamn reason. Um, Maybe in a couple of years we'll get an answer on it, right? Maybe they'll become consistent and we'll be able to identify something that that consistent team has that this one didn't, right? Has or doesn't have. Could be a certain player. Maybe the core leaves, and that makes the difference. You know, maybe JVR and Voracek aren't here, and that makes the difference. Or maybe Sanheim and Myers take huge steps forward, and all of a sudden we're much more consistent, and it's like, oh, we just needed to have more consistent defense play. You know, maybe we'll figure it out in the coming years. But, yeah, I have no answers right now. Yeah. Um, Cliff Watling asks, Fletcher has used several players from Lehigh Valley this season with mixed results. NAK should stay, in my opinion, uh, but Misha and Andreoff are mostly meh. Is there anyone else down in the AHL that can come up to Philly and actually look like an NHL player more than half a dozen games? So this question, you know, again, keep in mind that these questions were submitted last week. So since then, both uh, Vorobiev and Andreoff have been sent down, I believe. I know Vorobiev has. I don't, I don't think Andreoff is on the team right now. Uh, and they called up Connor Bunneman. First, well, first they called goal. up David. Co- first they called up David Cache, and he just looked kind of mediocre. And then they called up Connor Bunneman for the next game, and he was he was flying all over the place last night. He scored his first goal, and he's a guy who could turn into a consistent fourth line performer. You know, Albie Kubel. I think his hockey IQ really la- is lacking. He he, he 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 has bad giveaways. He takes bad penalties, but he does bring an element of toughness and skill to the team that I think could be a, a good third or fourth line player for years to come. The the good thing about the Flyers is if we talked for years about all of the depth that they have in the forward group for their prospects, and now we're seeing that because we get to see all these young kids that Hextall drafted who are borderline NHL players, and now we're going to find out who are actual NHL players. And so I think that's really exciting to me. Like we look, we know that Fairby and Frost are probably going to be first or second line players ultimately, but just as important as figuring out the third and fourth line guys are. And it's one of the other interesting things that Fletcher said in his press conference today was he said that Vorobiev has been the best player in the AHL for the Phantoms when he's been there, the best player on the Phantoms. But then when he comes up, he just can't really figure it out. And it's, it's interesting what guys because Albert Cubell was really struggling with the Phantoms, and they brought him up, and he played really well in the NHL. It's, it, it is crazy to try and figure out what makes a guy a good NHL player, especially third and fourth liners. And the good news is we've got a lot of options to choose from. Next year, maybe they'll sign Tanner Lazinski and Wade Allison, who will be two additional options. I'm sure Isaac Ratcliffe will start taking steps forward. He's, he's struggled this year. And so... You know, they're going to have no shortage of, of good young players to try and fit into the third and fourth lines. Right. Um, now, once again, I think that you you're, you have this innate ability to just predict the future seemingly every week. This was a kind of a throwaway question. Uh, the official Caps Turk podcast asked, and this was going back to the Capitals game. Uh, it was, I guess it was last Wednesday. Uh, he said, who do you got tonight at Capitals, right? You said, I think the Flyers win, and they did. So, eventually, we don't have to do it here on the podcast because I want all of the money. Eventually, you're going to have to give me uh, lottery numbers or something because you, you're, 
your predictions are usually pretty spot on. So just had to give you uh, give your your proper due for that one. Hey, look, if people followed me uh, back in November, I gave out a uh, a twelve to one winning horse in the Breeders' Cup, which I won a lot of money on. But uh, you know, I'm trying to give money away here on Twitter. So throw me a follow, and maybe <laughs> I'll give you some hockey picks or some horse racing picks that could turn into some real nice moolah. Nice, yeah. You you do well with that. It's pretty impressive. Um, Skylar Walker at Center Ice Philly, spelled Center the Canadian way. So I guess he's from Canada. Um, Two part question: Who has had uh, <clears throat> the most impressive season these past? Oh, I'm sorry. Who has had the most improvement these past two seasons, aside from Limblom, Provorov, and Connecting? And then on the flip side, he wants to know who has declined the most on the Flyers these past two seasons. Um, as far as the decline goes, I will take that one. As far as the decline goes, we kind of talked about it. You know, if we're talking the last two seasons, we talked about it earlier. From where we're at right now, I would say the biggest decline right now is Claude Giroux, given where he was, you know, even two years ago, one of the best players in the league points-wise and just overall play-wise, where he was at last year and where he's at right now, I think it's just a huge drop-off in play. And we have some more questions coming up later on about him, about why. We have no idea why, but to me, he's one of, you know, if you're talking about declining play, he's definitely one of them. And... Um, the other one, and you kind of feel bad for this guy because he's got the injury right now. He started the season terrible, started to pick it up a little bit, but Shane Gossespair last year and for a lot of this season has not looked like the player that we saw two years ago when he was one of, you know, one of the best defensemen offensively in the league. And, you know, you hope once he gets back from the injury, he can continue to improve his play from where it was the first, you know, month and a half to two months of the season. But, Right now, as far as the most, you know, the guys that have declined the most, to me, those are the two. Who do you think has declined or improved the most besides Limblom, Provorov, and Connecty? So one of the answers is pretty easy for me. I think that Scott Lawton has really improved his game over the past few seasons to the point where I, I think he's a pretty reliable third-line center. I, I don't understand why they keep trying to move him to the wing. I think he's actually a pretty decent center. He played great against the Bruins. So one of my guys would be Scott Lawton. The other guy that I, I would say is I would probably go with Sandheim. I mean, look, he Skyler took the obvious guys with Konechny and Lindblom and uh, Provrum, which is part of what makes it a really good question. And so I think I would go with Lawton and Sandheim for the two guys that have improved the most over the last two years. Yeah. Uh, I got lost. No, here I am. <clears throat> nope. Yeah, okay. It's like life. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, Bill Leonard at Major 78 says hello, Dan and Mark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Hey, Bill. Uh, do you guy. see Chuck Fletcher making any moves to improve the current roster? If so, who moves? What do we get in return? Are any prospects or picks moved? Um, I feel like we get this question every week about the whole trade thing, and it, it, it seems, I mean, the... the uh, you know, the answer kind of it, it always goes back to, you know, the, the cap trouble and things like that and kind of where the Flyers are at with that and the big contracts they have that are kind of very difficult to move. So I, 
if there is a move that comes down the line, Chuck Fletcher, he's going to have to get creative, and depending on who he moves, we'll probably have to eat some money to, you know, if there's a move out there that we know that Chuck Fletcher makes moves that he thinks will better the team. He's not shy about doing what it takes to make this team better. So he, he's going to, if he's if he sees a move out there to be made, if he sees a player out there that he likes, that he thinks fits with the Flyers and makes them a better team, he's going to have to get pretty creative financially to get to make uh, a significant move. Yeah, that's the big problem, right, is is how do they how do they maneuver the cap? Because right now they've got $575,000 in cap space, which is, is nothing. And he, if, if they're going to call up a goalie, I don't even know how they're going to do that. Because I'm guessing Carter Hart's not going to go on long-term IR. He's just going to be on regular IR, which means his cap hit counts. So if they were going to call up a goalie, they're going to have to maybe send Chris Stewart or Bunneman down to the minors. I mean, they're they're in cap in a bad cap situation right now. So the real and they, they this was brought up in the press conference with Fletcher Day about making moves, and he kind of gave the cookie cutter response. Well, if there's a move that can improve our team we've looked at it but we're not just going to make a move just for this year so i think if they're going to make a trade it would probably be for someone who's got some term on their contract and whose contract you know doesn't expire until um next summer potentially and so but the question is how do you make a trade somewhat today on my timeline uh, posted trying to see if we would trade a ghost for athanasiu who's a who's a fast forward on the red wings he's injured right now and like a trade like that, from a money perspective, could actually make sense potentially, right? But I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't make that trade. Right. But those are the kinds of trades that maybe you'd look at as adding a good young player, but you'd have to give up a good young player. And I'm just not sure if they want to do that or not. So, I, they might make some minor moves, but I also honestly I would not be surprised if this team doesn't make any yeah, trades the rest either. of the season. Like, yeah. I just wouldn't – I wouldn't be surprised. And mm-hmm. so I wouldn't – I don't think Flyers fans should be expecting to see any kind of moves that are going to really change the complexion of this roster. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Uh, Tom Sloan, he fires a few questions at us here. Um, <clears throat> so he, he he's taking us back to uh, – he says, rewind the Hayes to the Hayes signing. Center depth across the organization was thought of a strength to the point where they were, uh, their questions was, is Frost going to move to the wing? How many games until we see Frost again? Uh, does Vorobiev make it to the end of the season? No. And is he tendered slash traded over the summer? Is Rupsov, uh fourth se- fourth line center next year? And how does Lehigh Valley fill the void? So, I... I don't know. Maybe they'll move Frost to, to wing, but I think they want to keep him at center. Mm-hmm. And he's playing pretty well in the AHL. He's obviously, we're going to see him again this right. season. How many games until we see Frost again? I think it probably, I'd say after the All-Star break, we might see Morgan Frost again. Um, I guess Nolan Patrick's situation could impact that. You know, obviously, Vorobiev was already sent down. As we said, these questions were asked last week. Is he tender traded over the summer? That's interesting. Vorobiev's a, a restricted free agent, but there have been some rumors of him going back to play in the KHL. But the rumors were really just started by flyer reporters who were just kind of throwing it out there. I don't think it's anything concrete. And Vorobiev's agent actually went on Facebook and was like, "This is there's no truth to this. But the question 
question is, like, he's probably been recalled five or six times by the Flyers, and he's never been able to stick. So at some point, you're probably going to give up on the player. And Fletcher, in his press conference, was like, Vorobiev's going to be a third or fourth line center. He's not going to be a first or second line center. He's got to learn how to play like that. So I think they want to see him play with a little more toughness and grit in his game. And the question is, will he be able to do that? I don't know. I think that I think there's a decent chance he gets traded over the summer. Is Rupsov the 4C next year? You know, he can't stay healthy. It's very hard for me to discuss German Rupsov because he just he can't stay healthy. He gets injured all the time. And so I would not pencil him into the lineup for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom also asked, <clears throat> kind of something we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, he said, what is it going to take to uh, get G back to be G uh, and not just the obvious left hand uh you know moving them to the left side of the power play yeah right i mean well that is it's a million dollar question that's it right i mean i think you have to start by moving him to that left side of the power play they've tried everything else i mean he's played with all the best players on the team right like maybe he's just in the decline he's 32 you know maybe he's just going to be declining and thank god that travis connectney's picked up the pace and he's kind of replaced a lot of jeru's um what Drew brings to the table. So, and hopefully he's not, doesn't have some injury going on right now, but that's, you know, I don't have an answer for, for, for Drew. I think he's either injured or he's on the decline, but, but it would certainly help getting him on that left side of the power. Play. Maybe fatherhood changed though. He's probably exhausted. From I don't ha- think so. From having a crying baby all the time. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I saw some people talking about that. It's just not even, I, I love that. Just like people were saying that Carson Wentz played bad because he was married now, and now he's having a baby. It's it's idiotic. Um, Tom, another one. Final one from Tom. Um, <clears throat> Jake's on pace to lead the team in assists and finish with 65 points, third best career year. Uh, does it make him easier to trade, and or does it move JVR up the chopping block? Follow-up, ignoring contract, is Jake a better fit for a team than JVR, knowing Coots, Hayes are your one and two for years? I just, I don't think you want to trade Jake Voracek right Me now. Me either. I mean, first of all, he'd be very hard to trade. He's making $8 million a year. It would be almost impossible to trade Jake Voracek. And he's playing great. Like, he's been one of the best players on the team. So not only are you probably not going to get good value in return because his contract's so big, but he's playing very well. I just I don't think that they're going to trade Jake Voracek this year. I don't think they're going to trade him next year. It's just I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Right. They uh, might try to trade JVR though. That would be nice. I'm kind of done with him. But I don't think I I mean we're still what are we about a month away from the uh the deadline. So maybe he could pick it up and it, it entices some teams or who the hell knows with him. Uh, Isaac Leibowitz asked, what happened to our goaltending and defense on that road trip? Again, all these are just like, I don't think there's, there's not like one clear cut. And it, it, it takes me back to why, like no one can figure out why this team is so bad on the road compared to how they are at home. It's just, I, I hate, you hate to say it, but it's just kind of like how they are. There's no, there's no clear cut like this is why and this is what they have to do to make it better. It's just kind of like, it's just a bad, it's it's just multiple things. They come out flat as a whole. The team plays bad in front of them, which leads to 
you know, a lot of chances coming the way in front of their goaltenders. And, you know, you can only take so many shots as a goalie before you're going to let in some soft ones or ones that, you know, you would normally save. So I don't know what it is about the Flyers on the road, especially I forget what the, the stat was, of, but they're, I think like over the last like five years, they're, when they have like this this road trip after Christmas when Disney on Ice comes to town, they are just terrible on that road trip every year. And I, I, I don't I have no idea why it is, but it's something that the Flyers have to address and figure out. Yeah, we know what's interesting is Fletcher brought up the fact that it's not even like just the road. Like they've actually been good against Eastern Conference teams on the road this year. It's just, just the they've West. been so bad against Western Conference teams. I don't know what it is, but yeah, they're definitely. I mean, they're the most traveled team in the NH. What do they played like five time zones this season? It's incredible. Yeah, but the, the good schedule. news is the good news is that their long road trips are, are done now. Yeah. So I think that that's that's good. Smooth sailing through calm seas, as they say. Um, Dirty Dangles asks, if the team can't get back on track on this homestand, well, this is dated, uh, who gets moved or should, in your opinion? I don't think anyone, like, we... Yeah, we talked about this yeah, already. No one's, no one's, no one's getting moved. Uh, Brian Bell at bbell73. Who do we lose in the expansion draft? This is a perfect question for you. I I still think that is it, so the expansion draft is going to be next summer, right? Right, twenty twenty one. Yeah, right. the summer of twenty twenty one, and I think that they'll obviously protect Carter Hart. Then you can protect three defensemen. I think it'll be Provorov, Sanheim, and Myers. So that leaves if Shane Gossesbear is still on a team at that point, which I think is dubious, then he could be the guy that they lose. And then you're going to be protecting eight forwards. Um, is it eight forwards or is it seven forwards? I think it, either way, the forwards that they're going to be protecting are going to be Giroux, Hayes, Konechny, Couturier. That's four guys. Um, and so they'll probably protect Voracek. But, like, they're, they're going to be able to end, well, if Lindblom is healthy and if Patrick is healthy, you protect them. Mm-hmm. So you can easily protect because you don't have to spare me and Frost are exempt. That's a big deal. They don't have to protect those guys. So they may not end up losing like an impact forward because at that point, they'll probably be begging someone to take JBR um, or maybe even Voracek. So I think that I think they'll now he's got a no movement clause. Oh, right. I, I, just, I just don't think that he's it's, he's going to be moved. I so no movement clauses. I, I think that uh, I think that they'll either lose JBR, Voracek or Ghost. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, I would I would agree. And. And honestly, if we're talking not if we're talking a year from now, basically, it's probably it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. We saw what happened when Vegas had their expansion draft. You know, the teams in the league kind of working out deals with them where they were taking, you know, they were taking certain players from certain teams in exchange for draft picks or and things like that. So, you know, the the expansion draft, if anything, the way I see it, will, will probably help the Flyers because I don't know what. You know, JVR Voracek will be at the time, but those, you know, those are always the, those are the popular names that everybody wants to see traded. So that's probably the easiest way to get rid of either of those guys. Um, Mark DeChico asks, each of you give us your another trade question. Each of you give us your best actually feasible trade you'd make right now to right the ship. You know, I just again, I just haven't. This question just come up, and I just don't. I haven't done enough research to really 
to really give a good answer on that. I don't know what a good trade out there would be. I don't think they're going to make any big trades or any trades at all. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I haven't done enough research to really come up with a, a good trade. Agreed. Uh, Benjamin Molusky, considering Patty and Limblom's conditions, how does the team approach contracts? Is there some provision in the league to deal with this or do the teams have to take a risk? Pretty sure they just have so this, to take the risk, don't they? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Both Lindblom and Patrick are restricted free agents. And as obviously, you don't want it's any situation like you've got with those two guys. It's horrible. But the one, I guess, positive that you can look at is that they're, these the Flyers don't have a ton of money to spend in the offseason. And so I'm guessing that those two guys are both going to get fairly small contracts. Um just based on the situation. I mean, look, I think we all hope and pray that at the beginning of next season, Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick are both healthy and in the lineup. But it's a far thing from a surety at this point. So I don't think – I, and I don't know. It's interesting. If the, both those guys are on long-term IR, I don't know what the deal is with contracts. But I'm sort of assuming that they'll have to, like, sign both of them to, like, and you know, another – another RFA type contract. Right. Um, but neither of them are going to make a lot of money. So, mm. and Myers is the other restricted free agent and he's probably not going to make a ton of money either. So, yeah, this, I don't know if the team has ever had to deal with this type of situation before. I'm sure it's new to Chuck Fletcher. So, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. I would love to be sitting here talking about, you know, the Flyers, as, as much as you don't want the Flyers to have cap problems, I would love to be talking about, you know, giving big contracts to Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, because that obviously means they're healthy, they're here, they're playing, and they're playing well, but it's it's just not the case, and it's, it's kind of unfair to either to speculate what's going to happen with their contract, because... So much is up in the air, and so much is just kind of left up to fade at this point. You don't know what's going to happen with either one health-wise. So, yeah, I guess that's probably something that, you know, once the summer rolls around, we'll know kind of where both are at health-wise, and maybe hopefully we'll have sort of a timetable on either one and just kind of address that then. Um, Evan Huber, what steps should Fletch and A.B. take to try and right the ship before it sinks for the season? Um, well, as far as, you know, we kind of talked about this already. As far as Fletcher goes, I don't know if there's a move to be made for them. As far you know, for, for Vino, talked about it already. You got to figure out a way to get this power play up and running. You got to figure out a way to get Giroux up and running and JVR. Those guys are, you know, a lot of their play is driven through the power play. When they're at their best, they're producing on the power play. It's all tied in right now to the, you know, to how they're playing and, the overall success of the team, the power play has to be better. They have to figure it out. And if they do, the Flyers are going to be in a lot better shape than they are right now. Yeah, I mean, again, the question was asked sort of when they were really struggling, and since then they've won a couple games. I, I think at this point, right, trying to correct the power play and finding the right mix of, of third and fourth line players and then hoping that Carter Hart's uh, testing comes back. Um, yeah. in, a, in a positive manner is what we need to look for. Mm-hmm. All right, final one here. Uh, Michael Johnson, uh, why is it so hard to get current and recent Flyers to play up to their potential? 
again, I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are playing over their potential. I, um, you know, you've got guys like Konechny who takes a huge step forward. Couturier is one of the best players in the league. So I'm not sure, you know, Lawton's playing really well. Vor- you know, Vortex's been playing well. Niskanen, Provorov, those guys have been really good. I, I don't, I, I, I don't think that the Flyers have any excess of guys either playing above or below their potential necessarily. I think maybe you could argue that their players aren't as good as some of the top tier teams in the league, but um, but I don't think it's a, an issue of potential. Right. Yeah, I think just <clears throat> I think this team's still very much in transition. I think they're having to deal with some stuff right now that they weren't necessarily prepared for. Injuries suck. They happen. Every team deals with them, but they're definitely they've been getting them in bunches and you know, the situations with Limblom and Patrick are just kind of, you know, unthinkable. You never expect to have to deal with either of those type of types of deals, but you know, to me, this team's still in transition. They're still, if you're asking me right now, and this is not knowing what's going to happen with Carter Hart tomorrow, I still think they make the playoffs, which is huge for them, huge for their, you know, for this franchise moving forward over the next few years. You know, it's a new decade. I think we both think that this team gets a Stanley Cup at some point in the 2020s. So I just think, you know, it seems just still learning how to play together and I still expect good things for the rest of the way. So, uh, thank you everybody, obviously for all the questions, a lot of them, which we appreciate. Um, Dan, are you a superstitious person? Do you believe in the, you know, you have like a lucky rat I'm a gambler, or anything? So of course. What's that? I'm a gambler. So of course I'm superstitious. Well, whatever you're, whatever you believe in for good luck do tonight, because, um, you know, we we as Flyer fans have a big, big morning tomorrow, and you know you're playing for the best. Day to day is the best possible thing for Carter Hart in the morning. So if you, everyone out there, if you have like a lucky rabbit's foot, or if you, you know, lucky underwear, or if you have, you know, work with a bald guy, rub his head for some good luck. Uh, Dan, it's your favorite part of the show. Give your shameless plug where people can find you and win some money with your. You know, with your picks here and there on horse. So folks can follow me on Twitter at DSilver88. And, uh, you know, you can argue with me there, agree or disagree or whatever. Um, And you can uh, read some articles over at philliesflyer.com. You know, I kind of started work on my latest prospect piece. It's, It's tough to get going just because they've had a lot graduate and so i'm not sure if when the next one's going to come out but uh you can take a look at some of the recent stuff i've i've written up there uh but follow me on twitter at dsilver88 right uh you can follow me on twitter as well at mark flagman that's with two n's follow this show at underscore getting bullied um so yeah big a big stretch coming up for the flyers big game tomorrow in St. Louis big pending announcement with Carter Hart. So everything's big right now for the Flyers. It's it's a big time uh, for the Flyers at the moment. So we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, you know, be geared up for the for the All-Star break and everything like that, but you know, praying for the best for everything right now. So we talk to you next week everybody. Enjoy your life and let's go Flyers.